0: Coming up on the podcast, we review the semi-final first legs, which happened over the weekend in the A-League men, in particular, the Mariners getting it done in Adelaide, Melbourne City and Sydney FC's draw as well. And then right at the end of the podcast, we also talked about the Socceroos uh, Asian Cup draw and their group, just a little brief preview. And then as usual on this podcast, we just went on a random tangent about uh, youth development in Australia. So yeah, pretty standard day of the office for us on the podcast. That's uh, coming up right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. We are continuing with our Sunday night uh, pods, of course, and continuing to wrap up um, what's been going on in the A-Leagues, the A-League men finals going on. Of course, the semifinals we had, the first legs this weekend, and uh, I'm joined tonight by Jake. Holub and Cody Ajada. And, uh, yeah, we're going to review those two first legs. First one being Sydney FC, Melbourne City, a one-all draw. And then the Mariners winning against Adelaide at Cooper Stadium on, uh, on Saturday night as well. So, uh, firstly, Cody, let's start with you. How, how are you going? How's, uh, how's, how's everything been going this week for you? Um,
1: not great. Uh, just some things kind of catching up in the personal life, but look, it's always a good opportunity, good time to be talking about football. Um, do apologize for missing the last podcast. Until I saw you shout me out and actually say that I was, uh, feeling under the weather. And if you want to ask that question that you wanted to put to me about the Sydney Derby at the end of this, I am all ears, Christian. Well, let,
0: well, let's, first of all, thanks for starting the podcast on a dampener. No, that's, that's always great. Um, anyway, I said
1: we're talking about football. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah. After, after mentioning that you had a bad week, but anyway, yeah, that's the, life, life, life. Can, that is life. Uh, escape for a little bit. That's right. That's right. Well, just, just like, like, let's do the five seconds, like Sydney Derby experience. Wrap it up.
1: Honestly, I think back to like the days at Parramatta at the old Perthec Stadium, like that atmosphere. Mm. You're kind of on top of the players. There's noise coming from everywhere. Uh, the Cove being there probably dampen it slightly, but when like when Sydney were doing well, when they were getting on top, every like it was basically just a wall of noise from even just general casual fans. And mm. yeah, look, the Cove like no disrespect to them, they do a fantastic job. And the seats they created out in Surrey Hills, I actually thought was fantastic. And you know, considering the boycott and everything that happened around that, the fact that they were able to create something so special, I thought that was really good. But seeing a whole, not even just like a little stand at the stadium, but just a whole section, a whole side of the stadium, all in unison like the way they were, even if it wasn't proper active fans, it really was something, it was a beautiful sight in my opinion. Like I, was, I ended up staying, like my whole family kind of ran off after the game I was just in there staring at this massive group of Sydney FC fans, just create the wonderful amount of noise. It was it was fantastic.
0: So Cody's just come flaming in with this like take of is Sydney FC better supported without the cove? No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. The cove. No, I'm not. The cove were there. Listen, I'm not 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 entertaining anything to do with this. You get you get that you get that consistent atmosphere throughout the game with the cove there. What I'm saying is, yeah. But people that go there and they're not probably usually an active fan, I think yep. that game shows how good a football match can be if you are not just a spectator, but an active participant in it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. probably better. That's better thing to say. I reckon. Yeah. 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 Let's, cause then there's
0: obviously been developments with the Cove, uh, since, since that, which, uh, we're not going to talk about. So, uh, Jake, how, how are you going?
2: Oh, I'm not too bad. I've probably had probably not as exciting of experience as Cody did at the uh, finals. Been working as a part time stretcher and uh, a uni student, So I don't know. It's just been a pretty boring week, but we'll have to have some decent games on the weekend. So can I complain? No. So yeah, let's, let's get cracking. My opinion.
0: Hang on, hang, on, hang, on a minute, hang on a minute. Am I just gonna move on without addressing it? Sorry, part-time stretcher. Can Can you just? Can you- yeah. Well. Well.
2: Okay. All right. So you know, as 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 Cody was, I think t- alluding, you know, talking about, you know, as I just joined, it's hard to get, you know, work nowadays. It seems, even though it's apparently, you know, job shortages. Da da da. da whatever. This you know, this is about something off the wall. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So basically, I can't really get shifts anywhere else. And my uh, my papu or grandpa for people who aren't Greek, uh, he's a carpet layer or a stretcher. So, I, uh, you know, I'm, I've been helping him. I've been loving it. You know, uh, so, you know, maybe a, a, a trade arc coming. Who knows? We'll see. We will see.
1: Mm. Not gonna lie. My first thought was like the people that carry the stretchers. Yeah. Teams. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like physio kind <laughs> of. areas. Out. Do, do, do
2: yeah. people not know what's called stretcher? Like, no. like you know, like like a, like, like a, like a, like a bricky, you know, carpenter. No. <laughs> no. like, <laughs> we don't
0: know nothing about the trades. I was yeah, like, right. is he stretching people? Is that, is nah, that...
2: Nah, 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 nah. Well, uh, Try not to. I try not
0: to. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's why I needed some elaboration. But, uh, anyway, let's, let's, um, move on. Um, and yeah, we're going to start. So, uh, Antonis will be joining us halfway through, uh, for the second part to talk to Adelaide Mariners game, but we're going to talk Sydney and Melbourne City first. So, first thing, um, coming out of this, all to play for, right? I mean, it's, it's one all. It's kind of, like Sydney, uh, City didn't really maybe take. They, I mean, they had you know, uh, sixty, sixty-two percent of the ball. Um, but Sydney actually ended up having a couple more shots on target, and at times were probably more threatening. Tom Glover had to make an incredible save, for example, in the in the first half. Like, it's you kind of come out of it not feeling like City maybe had the control you thought they would going into it, and now. Like Sydney go into a second leg thinking, I mean, if we could just get a goal and hold these guys out, then, then we're through, right? I mean, it's, it's really now it's just a one off kind of winner takes all. And, and Sydney have kind of got themselves into a good position. I think what's, what's, what's uh, our initial thoughts on, on that, on that result?
1: Look, could Sydney have played better? Probably, but I don't think you can say that they didn't have control. I, th- I thought they still had control of that match. I thought Sydney were quite good. Going forward, still themselves, but if you look at who generally had more of the ball, it was still Melbourne City. They were trying to control it. Sydney FC. I think you can see where their mentality is going into these semi-finals. Obviously, see they're just try- almost trying not to lose, I guess. But then you look at how they go, how they do going forward. It's it's still a fantastic watch that I spoke about it before the Sydney Derby. How Sydney are kind of hitting form at the right time. And as much as I said the Derby, that kind of goes out the window. These are the games where it doesn't. And Sydney. Coming off a very good end of the season, coming off a massive derby win. I probably was under, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to say that I was a little bit underwhelmed by them in that game when they were still quite good, but I guess they just set the expectations so high after the derby. So look, I, I think this control will still be a city. They're going back home as much as it's probably not the most, it's not as, obviously, I Emmy mean, Park isn't as intimidating as, as a city game as what a Melbourne victory game would be, for example, especially pre, um, uh, grand final decision and Derby incident. But like you said before, we're not going to get into that too much. But look, City at home, it'll still be a struggle if Sydney score early, possibly. But you could have said that about the semifinals last year when Adelaide scored early. Good teams find yeah. a way to come back from those situations. And look, in my opinion, City are still a better side than what they were last year. So even if Sydney do go up, they showed last year they can still get back in the game. There's too many quality players on the pitch to count them out, I reckon.
0: Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because last year, that was, that was a nil all in that first leg against Adelaide. Then they went in and Clough actually gave Adelaide the lead at the start of the second half, if I remember, um, um, of, of memory. So that was later in the game. Um, whereas I think it'll be interesting if Sydney score early, let's say in the second leg, like, do they just kind of say, okay, we're going to shithouse ourselves to a one nil win here or are we still going to try and get a second? It's going to be interesting. The whole game management aspect of this is really interesting. Um, and then there was like, Rado Viderisic's comment after um that about the A League where he was just kind of like yeah like you know no one really changes tactically so <laughs> you know like we yeah we kind of know what he's, to he's expect- not
1: wrong though like no no he's not their, I I yeah yeah teams have I mean, their I, style of play and then if it doesn't work it's like okay we're going to do the same thing but we're just going to try and do it a little bit better we're going to try and put a bit yeah. more into it there's no like you don't see anyone switching up formations don't see anyone switching up ideals it's it's sad in a way but I guess it's something we've got to accept in this country we don't have the technical advancements or whatever you want to call it of other countries.
0: Yeah, well, I think what it is is like both, you know, Sydney are going to roll out the, the same system. City will roll out the same system. That's not going to change. There might be slight – I think with A-league teams, the only real difference is you might see certain personnel changes. You might see certain – maybe within that formation, there are different ways to attack, and that will kind of vary on on game to game. But, Jake, um, from Melbourne City perspective, um. You know, it was actually really interesting. Rado went with actually quite an attack minded midfield in this game. Like, it was Van der and Barisha. That was his midfield three. I mean, you're talking about three guys. One guy in Van who's really an eight box to box, but then two guys in Berengue and Barisha, who, you know, at, at, definitely Berengue is more of a 10, in my opinion. And then Barisha, probably when he, in his time in Europe, was more of a 10, closer to a 10, right? So that's, you know, no real six kind of presence, no real base. And he kind of just said, I don't know, let's kind of just go for it here. Um, And it didn't really, I mean, they got the goal, but then you would have hoped with a lineup like that, you could maybe get a second and kind of press home the advantage, right?
2: Yeah, it was like, to be fair to Rado, he did have his hands tied. Um, I believe O'Neill picked up an injury and just stayed back in Melbourne. So he sort of yeah. had to adjust. And I think you can either go sort of one or two routes. You go, for example, a uh, Scott Jamison defensively. defensive. That, that's right. Yeah. Probably, probably isn't the best option, you know, against the, you know, a pretty fluid, uh, Sydney midfield. So I, I think he made a fair shout, putting Berenghese that number six role. Heather probably didn't have his best game. I think i uh, especially remember one. We had the ball pitch from him pretty easily and then a little chance. Um, but you know, you can't really blame him. He doesn't you know, he's not really familiar with that role. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was probably a bit of a disappointing game for Melbourne City. I think they, you know, like I was looking here, Jamie McLaren, 13 touches. I think that really reflects mm. what sort of game it was for them. They were, they had the majority of the ball, they were playing it around, but just really struggled to create any good chances. Like if we look at their goal, it was a uh, Valenbrusha just almost just pummeled the ball into the box, happened to hit Lecky on the head, bang goal. And apart from that, I think, Curtis Good had a header against the post, and that was about it. It was a very just lackluster performance from City. I thought they defended okay at times, but, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. But I think, again, credit to uh, Sydney. I thought they played very, very well. I I think, like, probably countering what Rado said, I think they did sort of tweak the way they did play a little bit. I think they accepted, okay, we're not going to be dominating the ball against Melbourne City. This is the best ball-playing team in the league. Mm. Let's sit back a little bit here and let's hit them on the counter. And if we're, you know, comparing from last week against the Wanderers, where they were almost like the alpha dominating the ball team, mm. here they, yeah, only 38% possession, and they, you know, counted pretty well and created some chances. So I think it'll be a very, very interesting matchup. Like, I think looking here, Melbourne City have uh, won the last five games at home against Sydney. So they have a pretty good record there. But I, I think the form that Sydney are coming in, it's it, it will be an interesting game, of course.
0: Yeah, and Sydney... It's interesting because they they do seem to have this um they seem better almost in in transition these days I don't know like they they seem more of a threat kind of when they when they play on the counter a little bit too so they've kind of I I don't see a path to them maybe in the second leg where they're basically what they did against the Wanderers where that second half they just completely dominated the ball it was like yeah it was like watching. You know, I think I mentioned it's like watching like Man City play like a Burnley at home in the Premier League, for example. You know, if you wanted to have that sort of comp. I don't see Sydney FC doing this at all in, in, in the second leg. I think they, what they've got is an informed striker who in Adam LaFondre, it was interesting actually is, uh, there was a piece on Keep Up about him last week and he was kind of saying how he's never satisfied and he still, unless he made it quite, it was a quote in there, which like, unless I score like, you know, three bloody hat tricks to kind of send us, you know, it's the grand final or like the, the championship, you know, I, I'm not going to be happy got, kind of with this season. So he's going to be completely up for it for that second leg. And I don't know, just thinking out loud, does this come down to which team can kind of get their striker more involved in the game? Because um you're right, Jake, McLaren was kind of peripheral. um And, you know, it's, yeah, he, if he gets, we know if he gets a chance, he's going to take it, but then it's the same thing for LaFondra. So, it's, you've got
1: that interesting battle, I guess, going on with, with the two strikers, right? Oh, yeah, I guess in a way. But you uh, one thing you're into, into consideration as well. Rodwell coming back into Sydney FC, and I've said mm. this before, has been absolutely massive for them. And I thought, like, between him and Wilkinson, that's, McLaren doesn't not get involved in the game for no reason. If you've got two people there that are like, we need to watch this guy do anything we can to make sure he doesn't get on the ball, it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, look, it probably will come down to in a way which strike can get the most chances, but it's also going to be up to, it's, it's a, it's a really stupid thing you're saying. It's one of the most obvious statements that I'm ever going to make. It's also going to come down to which center backs are o- on their day as well. You're, and speaking of center backs, actually, one point I wanted to make with what Jake said about how, yeah, maybe Scott Jamison could have come in. They also had Thomas Lamb on the bench that could have kind of filled that sixth role. Yeah. So that was a little bit surprising. I just wanted to kind of mention that. Should, quickly, should
0: Jamison, but, should Jamison come in for the second leg? Like either way, just cause, We know, like, it's a, it's a bit of a grudge match. We know what Scott Jamison is like. Luke Bratton's in that midfield as well. We know him, you know, they've got a history, for example. Is there, is there something just kind of from a, from a point of view of, you know, just so city are are up for it in the midfield battle?
1: It'd be fun. It'd be fun to watch, but I'd be banking on O'Neill coming back first and foremost. Yeah. that's that's That's, that's, that's what they'd be hoping for. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Lafondra, uh, is interesting because, I, obviously he had, so you think back the penalty, right? So you think back to the Wellington, that Wellington penalty chaos that we had earlier in the season where Lafondra <laughs> missed two penalties. Um, and then he, so Caceres is, is given the, given the task. Um, clear encroachment. I don't think there was really any problem with that at all with the retake. Um, and then he's like, you yeah, know, fuck this. I'm taking the penalty. Um, and then he puts a bottom corner. So, uh, good for him from that perspective that he can kind of trust himself from the spot. Um, again, as well, but uh, this, the other thing I mentioned, the encroachment thing, I actually think VAR kind of got everything right in this match. I don't really think there was really anything that was, you know, a problem. The, the Ryan Grant goal that was ruled out, I think was, you know, pretty, pretty clear offside, right?
1: That um, was the funny thing about that. Where yeah. I was sitting at that match, I was directly in line where he was running. And the moment that the ball was played, the first thing I said was, that is offside. And then they kept going. The ref didn't put his flag up even after the goal went in. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, did I not see that correctly? But, and they have showed the footage in the replay, and everyone could kind of see that. Like, you just heard this groan go around the stadium, like, oh, okay, yeah, this, yeah. this is going to get disallowed. There was a few boos that kind of happened when the official decision was made, but it was a clear cut. And I thought, yeah, look, honestly, I don't think there's any complaints you can have about the refereeing in that game, the VAR. Everything was kind of, per- was I wouldn't say perfect, but the right outcomes came at the end. I think the only thing you can fold is, and it's the same conversation we can have every week, how long... It can take for those decisions to be made, even if they are quite clear cut. It's a frustrating thing, but is that something we've got to accept in the age of VAR, I guess?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just always think that bottom line is if it gets it right, it gets it right. So move on, right? It's, it's, you know, you get, look, I get it. We want the process to be maybe more efficient and quicker and it should be, but you know, the, the decisions are right. I think all of them. So football fans it- are so hard to please, eh? Hey? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah. And I think none more so than, than in, uh, than in our league. But, um, when you think about City, just, just back on them for a second. I mean, Lecky, that was, that was his, um, yeah, that was his first start in, in, in quite a while. Uh, he's obviously been coming off the bench in the last couple of games before that. He gets a goal and he's only going to kind of, you know, get a bit sharper, I guess, coming into the second leg. And then Vandervan as well kind of coming back. So it's it's actually maybe from that perspective, Jake, it's not a bad result because they got, you know, they're, they're level in the tie going into a home basically winner takes all. And now they've got probably two of their top five players. Leckie who got a goal to get back kind of in some form and coming back kind of with some fitness. O'Neill will hopefully be fit for the second leg. So from that perspective, it's it's a good position, right?
2: Oh, hundred percent. And I think it's also really important to mention with Van der Ven, I, I thought in these past two games he's probably been a little bit off it, kind of struggled mm-hmm. to sort of get back to fitness. So yeah, yeah, another week for him to sort of get back to that. Lecky I thought played a little bit better than uh Van der Ven did. Yeah, you know, considering it was his first game back too, but he's gonna be better and better. So those two in there. I think um O'Neill to sort of, you know, marshal that midfield there. It's going to be a very, very tough challenge for Sydney. I I think both teams at the end of the day probably like, I think Sydney will be a little bit disappointed not to pick up the win there, but I think at the end of the day, both teams can't be too upset about the result and it's all to play for in Melbourne. And I'm, yeah, very, very excited. I think even some player like Tom Glover, who I've been very sort of iffy about for a while now. He put in a fantastic game and a really, really confident performance, you know, leading into this talks about, you know, a move overseas. So, it's so a lot of interesting talking points. I think also another one is Nuno Race. I didn't think he had his best game and I was very surprised in the first place. He did start over Thomas Lamb, uh, like we were sort of discussing before, because Lamb's been largely preferred to him at mm. centre-back. And I feel Lamb's a lot more equipped to deal with a Lafondra who's a little bit more quick. So, interesting to see what Rudder will probably you,
0: tweak. Um, sorry, did you see as well, Nuno Reis got his own mural? Um, at, uh, down at Richmond, um, earlier this week.
2: I, I, I did not see that. Uh, what the? Why? Who? When, are you, who, gonna, get, are you gonna get
0: the joke? Are you gonna get the joke? Who, which, which other Melbourne City player got a mural this week? McLaren.
2: Oh, McLaren. McLaren. Yes. Did yes. you see?
0: Did you see the actual mural?
2: Yeah, w- it wasn't the best. Uh, like, no, I'm,
0: no, I thought it was great. I'm just, I'm just taking the piss. A lot, <laughs> I actually had a couple of people say to me, "Oh, it looks a little bit like Nuno Riche," and I was like, "That's come on, you know." Like, it's it, it, well, it a conversation does, it we haven't does. had. <laughs> I know it kind of does, but um no nah, that was that was sensational I mean you think of like you know kids and stuff are gonna walk past and see that. I mean that's just absolutely fantastic, just just as a quick kind of little tangent on that, but back on the game um it's it's weird because you almost think if if this had ended um two one to Sydney, maybe it kind of hurts them in a sense going into a second leg actually knowing that they're already leading and then. They play a bit more defensively and actually invite City on more. Now it's at one all that they kind of know. I mean, look, they can still go in kind of not parking the bus, but playing on the counter and get to extra time. And who knows, maybe gets penalties, but they might have more impetus to score now in the second leg. Um, and it kind of begs the question, I guess, Cody, who like this result is it better for Sydney or is it better
1: than for Melbourne City? I'd have to be better for Melbourne City, wouldn't it? You're going at home, yeah. still tired. Like I said, this it, going to Melbourne City, as much as it's not the same fortress as a Melbourne victory, it's still Sydney are the ones still traveling. City are the ones with their home fans as much as their active and boycotting too. It's still in their ground. They're sleeping in their own bed, but not the night before a game. It, everything should still be pointing in their favor. Was that, was that a Mark Torcaso reference right there? Um, no, it's more of a Mark Bosnich reference to when he said sometimes even when. You're playing a home game, you're not necessarily sleeping in your own bed, but I, I'm getting real niche there. I do remember Mike Torkasa saying that at the press conference after yeah. the women's game, but yeah. you know what? He's not wrong. It's if you're sleeping, you're in comfortable surrounds, you're with your family, whether it be young players still with at home or you know, all the older players like with their wife and kids, you're driving in your own car to a game, you're not having to go on a team bus where it might be uncomfortable. I don't know how uncomfortable it is. I am more a, uh, I like to be in my own space and I'm going somewhere. So. That's what's on the forefront of my mind. But the reality is everything should still be set up for Melbourne City to go dominate and win this match. The only way Sydney do take something out of this game is if they sit back, do everything perfect to a T. Do not give City an inch because playing at home, you give City an inch. They are going to capitalize. It Doesn't matter how good you are for another 89 minutes. It'll take a five, 10 second lapse. That's, that's, that's all a little, that's all a little beat. That's all city need to come out come yeah. away with this game and a grand final spot, really?
0: Well, one thing for Sydney is that they do have I mean, I can think of one very prominent example where they were kind of not written off but like were underdogs away from home in a massive game. That was probably the twenty nineteen grand final against Perth. And
1: they went there and they it. And kind how of did they go through that game? What's that? Like, they got through that game. They had, they yeah ended, yeah it was, that's, a, that's, it was a, it was a boring game and they ended up winning on penalties. So that's, that's, that's right. Probably and I how think they that's, win this game too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and if I'm Cory, I'd kind of maybe be using that as a little bit of, you know, inspiration in, in, in a pregame speech and kind of say, look, we, we've, we've done this before. We, you know, we've, we've been able to, you know, uh, grind out big, big results away from home. And I think for them, the roadmap isn't going to be a pretty one for them to get through. I think for Melbourne City, it could be though. I think that's what we're kind of saying. They could, have one of those nights where they're just on it. Lecky's like really back, you know, to absolutely do his best. McLaren's kind of getting more involved, finishes a couple of chances. Basically, I think if this is a game where City just come out of the blocks and they score two quick ones in the first half, I mean, I, I think we can all agree it's going to just be game over, right? It'll um, be interesting,
1: actually, if yeah. City do go in that game and score early because that will mean Sydney do need to come out of the blocks. Yeah. They do need it. Yeah. And they did it well against the Wanderers, but I don't know how much that was down to them being really good at football which I'm not saying they aren't, but or how much that was just a matter of emotion kind of took over that game. But if City do score early and Sydney do need to kind of step out of the back line, really try and push themselves forward, if that creates space for the likes of Tilly or Leckie to take advantage of. Yeah. We saw how Tilly or kind of tore him apart at the start of the season, not the start of the season, kind of midway through the season when uh, Sydney did have to go to Amy Park against him. Yeah, he didn't, that was a 3-2 uh, if
0: I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they kind of let Tillior run through. You give Tilly or kind of space... You give Tullio that kind of space, he's going to take advantage of it. He's done it against Sydney FC before. If he can do it again, it's not going to be pretty enough for Sydney FC. I saw highlights of that um Sydney FC Melbourne victory 6-1 final. I think it was the game before the Perth yeah. um, grand final, if not yeah, mistaken, yeah. and Sydney yeah. FC basically came out and put on an attacking clinic. If Melbourne City score early, I'm not saying it's going to be a 6-1 or 6-0 result, but you can see them scoring 2-3 if they're really good, maybe four, it, it it could be a good night for them.
0: Well, that's that's interesting because if this turns out, let's say this that does happen and City, like McLaren scores inside five minutes and City kind of want to roll, like it's going to be an interesting test from a City perspective because then we're going to see like, is this whole rejuvenation sort of thing that they've had recently, like is it real from a sense of, could they work their way back into the game and actually make a game of it? Or are they really just kind of fraudulent a little bit where they really are the fifth, best team in the league and they kind of just crumble and, and City kinda of go on with it. That's gonna be an interesting I, thing. I don't think it's
1: fraudulent. I think they've they've not, still done very well in the last few no, weeks. No, 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 we're it's talking about also, a colossal yeah. side. That's the difference. It's not like they're playing and a Wanderers or an Adelaide or a Mariners. You're talking about the benchmark of football in Australia at the moment.
0: True, but I'm just saying, like, you know, let's let's not forget, like, it was probably, what, less than two months ago when they lost 4-0 to Wanderers at home, and it was like, oh, my God, this is an absolute disaster. So, yeah, and and Cody's always going to mention the fact that he was like, eh, you know, it's... There it's, it's,
1: yeah, it was still something to still fight for, and I'll <laughs> tell you
3: what,
1: I'm not saying that in the sense that I should be right. I'm saying that in, you should give Sydney a season credit there for saying, okay, we yeah. still got something to fight for here, and they went and did it, and they deserve every port for that.
0: That, that is, that is, uh, that is fair. Um, real quick, is, is everyone kind of unanimously think City will get it done in the second league? Um, yes.
1: Yeah, look. Yeah. Uh, I, it'd be, it'd be cool to see Sydney FC pull out something and really put some pressure on them. I'd love to see the game go to extra time. Yes. Yeah, us a bit awful poor to watch, but look, City are too good.
0: One last thing, Jake. Any, any, uh, case for Andrew Naboo to start? In the second leg, I'm not, I, I, there's nothing against Marco Tilio or anything. I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. does Rado play the experience card or something in this game?
2: Potentially, I I could see a world where he does, uh, put a lot of pressure on jolking at left back, who probably isn't the most physically, mm. you know, sort of gifted, um, fullback. But I, I think the form that is in, obviously didn't have his best game there, but I, I can really see Tilio at home with the ball causing some problems. But you, you never know if Rado, but like, I think earlier in the season, Nabu's been preferred to uh, Tilio, but for the most of the season, I think it's all been Tilio. So I'd be surprised if he changed it in such a crucial game, but you know, you, you never know. But I, I think probably the bigger question is who does he go for? Because obviously O'Neill's coming back in that sort of number six role. Who does he go for in the number, you know, the number eight slash ten roles? Because obviously we have Van der Ven, Berengue, and Baruchia. You'd expect Baruchia to stay, but the question is, yeah, Berengue or Van der Ven? That's that's probably I think the biggest. I think side. I
0: think you'd have to trust probably the two guys who've been. Better and more reliable over the season. That's Berenguer and Van, de, uh, not Berenguer, uh, Borussia and Van de Ven, right? So yeah, Uh that 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 would be my probably up If yeah, if obviously you know, just making sure that O'Neill will be will be back and, and ready to go. Uh, so so yeah, all right, boys. That's uh yeah, good uh good comprehensive uh, wrap. We've got another semi final to come uh right after this quick break. Okay, uh, Antonis Pagonis is joining us now, and uh, we're going to review uh Adelaide and the Mariners the first leg. So we we literally just mentioned this off off air. So the Mariners um they turn around after after an early Craig Goodwin penalty they win two one and they possibly from the tenth minute to the forty fifth minute of this game probably play some of the one of the better attacking displays I've seen from an Adelaide team this season and completely play Adelaide off the park for about a good 30, 35 minutes. And it kind of, after three straight wins against Adelaide, we've mentioned, we we talked about this last week on the pod, about how they're kind of Adelaide's kryptonite and stuff like this. But now, and me and Antoine are just talking about this off air, I think, you know, and I'll pose Jake and Cody this question to you, I think the Mariners are just better than Adelaide. And I think maybe some people probably still think, just because of a quality standpoint, and there's a the Craig Goodwin factor as well, that that Adelaide are... Maybe, you know, that they can still win this and they're, and they're still, you know, that they've still got the quality on their day, of course, to win it. And, you know, it is only 2-1. But it just, watching that first half and the way they were carving Adelaide open, it was just kind of like, they're just they're just so much more cohesive going forward. That's, that's the main sort of thing, I think, when you compare both sides, right?
1: Well, yeah, look, Mariners probably are a better side than Adelaide. But the way you frame that question makes it sound like a very offensive thing. Mariners are a better football team than a lot of other teams. Okay, well that's not that's not what I was going for at all. But okay, (laughs) this is how it sounded, Christian. That's all I'm trying to say. But look, yeah, are they a better side? Probably they're well worked. They're probably like you said, they're a little bit more cohesive. I won't say they're that much better than Adelaide than what maybe results have suggested this season. I mean, for there to be an aggregate eight-one score line going into before the semi-final, Hmm. I don't think the quality difference should be that much. I think the weekend kind of showed they. Where the gap probably is, Mariners probably have the edge over them, but it shouldn't, it not in a blowout standpoint, if yeah, you know
3: what I mean. Cody, you used to say that it was only 2-1, but you know, if they actually took their chances, you have another 4-1-4-0, four, or four, mm. whatever it could have been. And for me, like, if you take the players pound for pound, you go player for player, player for player, that actually isn't that big of a divide. But in that, that's,
0: that's, that's kind of what like, I, was, I was saying, Cody. Yeah, yeah. I
3: just think there is, It's a team that's much better utilised in my eyes. And when I say that it just feels like the Mariners are a better side right now, I go by the way they actually set up and they approach these games because they've shown it in all three games. I think from the six halves that have been played this year, Mariners have smashed Adelaide in five of them Mm -hmm. and then Adelaide was very competitive for one of them. I like The last half I was just playing
1: yeah
0: but I also think that was kind of the Mariners kind of settling on the result a little bit, which i I don't know I don't know if that might come back to haunt them a little bit like I actually thought they could have pressed on and and got a third maybe and a fourth and kind of not killed the tie off, but you know really made it you know like uh very difficult for Adelaide to come back into it and I know. And Antonis might say at a moment. I know that's, you know, asking a lot. I get it. Cause, cause they're away and that they already, you know, they, they've won 4-1 in Adelaide already. I mean, to do it twice in a row would have been incredible, but just the way the game was going. I mean, Antonio says Adelaide are more competitive in the second half. I agree. But I mean, I can only really think of one big save that Vukovic had to make, which was off Aaron Kunda's, um, header at the back post, right?
3: <laughs> I mentioned I go competitive compared to the first half. Not <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. So that, but, you know, compared to the first half, I reckon Adelaide's how what it did in the first half in the first five minutes, to be honest. That's how drab the first 45 was. And it goes back to that question I asked in the press conference because I brought up Monty. I said if I, a couple of days ago, if someone told you you're going to get a penalty in the first couple of minutes or the first year professional player gives away a penalty, Craig Goodwin scores and sends 15,000 people crazy yeah. you'd think Adelaide runs away with it. But for a side to be able to compose itself and play that half of football after, for me, that's what impressed me the most from yeah. this game. Just the mental fortitude and the quality to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, and also, uh, when when Goodman scored, you got that feeling, there was two, there was two results which Adelaide had uh, at home this year, which kind of felt like it was like almost like a party atmosphere at Cooper's. So there was Melbourne City and Wellington were two were the two wins a I think. Victory
3: team. too. Yeah, to yeah, you.
0: sorry. And the three nil against victory. But that yeah, that was that was different because they took longer to kind of make the breakthrough in that game. But those two in 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 that massive run they had was kind of like it was almost like just Cooper's was just on top of the other team. And it was just like there there was no way that the other team was going to get back in the game. I five minutes in you felt like, oh my God, like the Mariners are kind of shit scared here. They're nervy Adelaide got an early goal. They might actually go on and win this game 2-0 and be in a really good position going to the second league. But Antonio says, I mean, it was actually incredible. The Mariners, a team of, of, of some of the ages of these guys in this team, Nisbet, Ballard, Triantas, these, these kids, right? And they just weathered the storm and they just said, you know what? No, we're going to play our game. We're not going to be phased. And, and, and we, we're better than these guys. That, that's, that's kind of like what they did for the rest of that half. And, and they showed it. And it's a real, and it's a real credit to, to them. And yeah, it's just like another major hurdle, which this team is, is kind of, is kind of chicken, uh, ticking off. I mean, Melbourne City couldn't even win an Adelaide last year in the semi-final first leg, right? And the Mariners have just done it. Um, and, and we're sitting back saying, Hey, you know, they could have maybe won that 3-1 instead. Um, so just, yeah, just an incredible kind of comeback from that standpoint. Jake, we haven't really gone to you yet. So what, what were your kind of thoughts, uh, on, on the game overall?
2: I think it just really um, sort of reflected a common theme I've sort of had this whole season. I think it's a lot of disrespect and sort of underestimating of the Mariners. Like, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, when a lot of people look at this team, they're like, oh, they've got young guys and you know, they're inexperienced, da 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 whatever. And, yes, they've lost a lot of names sort of, you know, season to season, you know, from you know, roles and whatever. But this is a team that's been building for a while. Monty's been building this team and building this system. Like, if we are looking at people like Nisbet, Ballard, yeah. Encololo, Cummings, like these guys have been here for a couple of seasons now. Ingrained in this system, and it's been building and building, and we've seen it again. Their pressing has to be the best in the league, like absolutely fantastic. Oh my god, Nisbet and Balor, I can go on and on and about it. Like their pressing is so brilliant. You know,
0: it's interesting. They do they do something like a bit different with that as well. So I was because I was high up uh at the game, so I could kind of get a view of everything that was going on. They actually set up in kind of this four four two diamond when they press. So Nisbet is almost like a ten. And he's going to ready to jump on like in his is when he gets the ball. And then Ballard kind of screens the back four with the wingers on either side are kind of ready to come inside and help out if need be as well. So just interesting kind of watching a bit, bit of a different setup with the press maybe to, to other teams there as well. Um, Yeah, Antonis, did you want to talk? The just, issue yeah.
3: with that, is that why it works so well against Adelaide. It just destroys everything Adelaide wants to do. Adelaide likes keeping the boy, likes getting that defensive midfielder on it to yeah. be spread it, which Mariners did not allow. And that's where you see Adelaide flustered turn over the ball. And the other thing that Adelaide likes to do is work in transition, which the Mariners completely do not allow. And that's why you see someone like a Ben Halloran or a Craig Goodwin struggle when in other weeks they may not struggle. Because you probably argue that Craig Goodwin has had and he scores with the penalty, but in open play, probably someone who's quieter games against the Mariners this season which is a very high standard still but it just shows you the difference in how the Mariners go out of the way to not allow Adelaide to do what Adelaide does well
0: yeah so you mentioned Goodwin there um yeah he's kind of struggled over over these three games that we talk about against the Mariners but I think it's not really symptomatic or anything about him I think it's more just Adelaide and their structure and their yeah, their infrastructure just really struggling against what the Mariners bring, which Antonis is what you're kind of talking about with with the pressing and then the denial of the transition game.
3: Yeah, and like we say, it's not just Goodwin. Goodwin is just a noticeable one because it's usually the guy that puts Adelaide yeah. over the top. It's the whole team. When when you lose by four goals twice and you play a half, like the first half on the weekend, it's a team effort. It's not just one player. And other things on the weekend. Another thing I noticed on the weekend was Carl Viert gave Ibusuki and Zach Klaff their first starts in a month. they have been working their way back from injury and I don't know if that worked out the way he was hoping for. I know they're both high quality players but again, I'm not sure if a semi-final was a stage to nurse them back into it. Mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, and then now it looks like Ibusuki. Could be, yeah, could be out. Um, and then Jay Barnett's out, um, for, for the remainder of the season as well. Um, thoughts on, thoughts on those, uh, injuries?
3: Yeah. You know, with Ibu is obviously a big out because he's your experienced striker. I would like to see Luka Jovanovic get a start in Gosford with Jay Barnett. He would have been very handy in that first leg to kind of slow down what the Mariners are doing. But once you lose the home game, you need to go all out and attack. So again, he's not one. Yeah. You particularly missing that second leg. You would like the extra body there, but that second leg, you just need to go and win. Otherwise, it's season over.
0: I'd, I'd really like to see Luki Ivanovich start the second leg, and I know that's a big call. I know he's young and stuff, but I just and Antonis mentioned this that you know George Blackwood the last time um, in that last game of the season where where the Mariners won four one. George Blackwood was one of Adelaide's better players for sure on that day, but I just don't, I just don't see him having much success against Triantas and Caltech. I mean, Ca- by the way, Caltech. So, couple things. Triantas, I just mentioned before, I felt he was a little bit nervous at the start. Then he just grew into the game. He's fantastic. I asked Monty about that afterwards as well, and he, and he agreed. But, Caltech was just like, he just, from a physical standpoint, imposed himself so much on that game. Uh, he was, he was absolutely fantastic. So, I just wonder if Jovanovic just gives a player like Caltech something different to think about. You think of like, you know, Caltech probably struggles more with that type of striker, right? The one that can kind of run in behind him and, and kind of, you know, have him basically catch him kind of square. Um, and, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. utilize the space yeah. in behind. Whereas I think an Ibisuki type who is a bit more of a target man wants to fall to his chest, this sort of thing. I mean, Caltech embraces that sort of physical challenge. Yeah.
3: It's- just, yeah, just quickly from, I'm not even like attacking perspective about how, what, who they are as strikers, but just from a pressing perspective, when you need yeah. to win this game, you need to unsettle them. And I believe someone like Luka Jovanovic has a much bigger tank than a George Blackwood. And, you know, if something falls his way, you'd back him, you know? That's how I see that. Yeah.
1: Cody, do you, you want to add one? something on that? Yeah. Yeah. I said it after, I think it was the first game that Adelaide played against Mariners where they lost 4-0. And I said, Someone like Caltech, or someone like Ibasuki. sorry, the way he plays, Caltech's probably almost the perfect person to mm. kind of shut that down in a way. So having someone like Ivanovic, like you said, Antonio, someone who can probably come in, press a little bit better, offer something different for Caltech to think about. But if you go for, obviously you can't go for a physical battle anymore because is not going to be available, but going for that might have actually been a hindrance, hindrance to Adelaide and that would have been better off with something a little bit different would they be making that call in the semi-final when you've got a foreign striker compared to a young one? As much as Adelaide do have a track record for bringing in young players, probably wouldn't have been the wise decision on paper. But now that you're kind of forced into either Blackwood or Jovanovic, or I think they went with Halloran for a little bit up front as well in for like five minutes in that uh, first leg. So if I'm looking at all three of those options, in all honesty, I think Jovanovic is, age potential aside, genuinely just the best option.
3: Can
1: I just touch on Halloran? Yeah, one sec, one sec, one sec. Jake and
0: Cody, just give us brief thoughts on Ben Halloran's performances of late. Just, 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 just putting it out there. That's all.
1: Underwhelming. Like, I like him as a player. I think he's, I I do think he's a generally talented player, but I think, not even lately, just his season. I don't think we've seen, like, you compare it to how he started off Mm -hmm. the season last year. He was almost unplayable. Now, like, I think there's even talks about, would he be bolter for like a soccer qualify match? And now he looks well off pace. Like, he's, a, he's nowhere of that near that.
0: yeah, yeah, just, just nowhere near that. Simple as that, Jake. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm interested. Antonis, I'm just interested to get the, uh, perspective of, of, of people who probably don't watch him every week, right? Yeah, Jake.
2: Uh yeah. I recently I was looking through um, some of the chat about him before he went to a career initially, and people were saying like maybe it's not true, but people were saying he was better at Goodwin at that time. Like there was a, little, a lot of chat about how good he was, and yeah, recently he's just bang average. I think that's all i are really going to say. Like he just doesn't really <laughs> offer anything. I don't know. I'm sorry, did Brendan Brello just join the podcast?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you're both spot on. Um, look, I'd even go a little bit further. I, I think he's just been shocking. Like seriously, I don't, I don't really. And and we've we've discussed this, um, previously where we kinda said Adelaide don't really have someone right now who can really start instead and and people say, well, What about Nesta? He's just not I don't um, think
3: to go ahead yeah. I do think if Bernardo was fit and fire, yeah, yeah. he'd be starting over Ben Halloran right now. Yeah. I think it was on Friday night against South Hadley in the NBA like that he played the first proper good game I've seen him play since he's come back from his injury, so he's only mm-hmm. just building back into his form and confidence right now. For me, I know that they're trying to pace him to contain him, but the reality is, you enter probably a sold-out gosford for the Gold Down. You need to change that game as soon as possible. You need to do to them what they did to you at home. Start him. <laughs> Start him. Start Nesterenko Start him, let him make a Be new Cool, time. start him, man. Start him. You know, we are talking here. This kid's being linked with the giants of world football. I am sure he can handle. I'm sorry to talk down, so I'm sure he can handle Gosford. You know, he will play. It might go well, it might not go well. If it doesn't go well, you say, Look, you made the sauce
0: he, Hang on, so even the sauce bottles.
3: Even the sort and of, Jacob Farrell, even that weird <laughs> cannon they've got over there, I'll back him against the two. But you know what? Start him. Cause they, are, they are not expecting him to start. They are not. It was, he going to sub Jacob Farrell in the first minute to.
0: Jake, ja- Jake, is, is Jacob Farrell now officially the Nestor and Kunda stopper? Is that like his? I-
2: I absolutely, this is probably like, maybe my favorite storyline of the league. I don't know what, I just absolutely love it. Like, like, in the first leg, you just came on to just integrate him as, and then literally, as Monty sees Nesta get on, he's like, straight on, like, oh, absolutely unbelievable. And I swear to God, if Nesta starts, I better see Monty first minute, bring off McGarry, get him straight on, please. It feels
3: like very NBA-like, like you follow. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah, that, I know. That guy, we talked about that yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But for me, Start him, man. Start him. They won't. I guarantee you they will not. I'd love to eat my words, but you know what? It's a big stage and this kid's build, this kids build for the big stage. And like I said, you cannot guarantee it will go well, but you know, you can coach him through it. You can manage it. You're going for one more season at least. And you know what? I think he would embrace that stage. You know, 8,000 mm. people, they they're not going to expect what hits them. How are you going to slow them down by going right at them? So I'd love to see that.
0: He might, he also might change, he might pace himself a bit more, like just naturally, because he thinks, like even, even, even a kid of his age knows, well, hang on a minute, I can't be the Nestor in that I normally am if I'm, if I'm coming off the bench just for 30 minutes or 15 minutes. And he might think, if I'm starting and if I'm going to last these 90 minutes and give it all I've got, well, I might need to pace myself and choose my moments.
3: It doesn't have to be 90 though, because even Carl the other yeah. week started Barnett and who was an Ansel and said, yeah, I knew that when, that they weren't they were going to last 90, so I had that in mind. So if you know, okay, I'm going to play him and just get a direct good 60 minutes from him, and now I'm going to sub him off at that point. And again, if you bring the game back together and you head on to injury time and penalties, like, again, I wouldn't want Nestor on for that at 16, 17, whatever he is. You just bring on the experience of Ben Hamlin at that time, but I feel the way this tie has gone, this moment suits Nesta and Akunda. The stage is big enough for him. I'm sure he can take advantage of it. I'm sure he would love it, but I'm very confident he will not be given it. But I just hope he sees enough time regardless.
0: Okay. Nesta to start campaign just, just officially begun on, on this podcast. So let's see if Calvi is listening. One thing you might have listened to was, uh, this like weird kind of, Slight war of words but between him and, uh, him and Nick Montgomery. I don't, I don't really know. Nick, I, I actually, Nick Montgomery's, um, just brutal honesty in these press conferences is kind of, is really nice and refreshing. Um, so yeah, apparently, yeah, well, Carl kind of said that, you know, he thought the Mariners celebrations were over the top in the, in the round 26 meeting that they had. And then, uh, Monty, yeah, yesterday was, was kind of like, um, you know, <laughs> You know, he's just kind of playing mind games. You know, I don't know what he's on about sort of thing. So, there is that.
3: Yeah. yeah. The comment was, Kyle had said, that was their grand final, the last yeah. round. We were just at 50%. And Monty rightfully said, well, if you're at 50%, you're fighting for second spot, fighting for an AFC cup spot. Just give your your fans the money back. You know? If you're at 50%, you're just admitting that. And I asked him about it. i like, are you justified now that I'm pretty sure they gave the 100% night and you just beat them again? And he said, yeah. yeah. You know, it's. If you're going to make comments like that, and Monty knew, oh, he might have been a throwaway comment, but if you're going to make comments like that, you need to back them up. And it's not something we've seen from Adelaide recently in these big games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good point. And also, um, we should just mention both goals. I think not Joe Gauchi's finest. Um, and he probably. I, I don't. The the first one is so weird. Look, it's a it's a great strike, you know, and, and and McGarry. But you look at it back and you think it's it's not in the corner, right? You know, he he can he can dive and get it. But then you also think is a defender maybe in his line of sight and maybe he can't see the ball. I don't know what you guys kind of thought that the the second goal. I mean, that was more about just Adelaide getting picked apart kind of defensively, he though.
3: Before Joe to the second goal, it's not yeah. his first time, but two people could have stopped that.
0: Before. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, probably, yeah. But, but I think he will kind of, you know, he, he's definitely his own harshest cr- critic. I think, uh, Joe Gauchi, and he'll definitely, um, kind of review those and, and look at where he can kind of go better. Just on the Mariners as well, like, you know, um, their attacking setup and stuff, like Tulio and Cummings, it's actually really interesting. When they're in possession, it's almost like they actually don't really have a nine. Like, so, Look, we know, we know Cummings and Tulio, they're kind of maybe closer to the nines and what they are, you know, obviously midfielders, but when they operate, they're actually both kind of operating either side of his A.S., right? And, and that's how deep they're kind of dropping in possession. Um, and even like you look at Silvera, like Silvera was, didn't really do much. And then he just gets the ball, he cuts in on the right and smashes one into the crossbar, right? And, and he kind of, he's almost moving into this stage where he doesn't feel the need to always have to get the ball and always have to do something. He can kind of just, Kind of go through a game, and then when when it calls upon for him to get the ball and, and do something he he'll do it um so he's kind of shown a maturity from that sense, and then unkololo is a little bit up and down, but he'll have his moments well I mean this front four is i mean I think it should be kind of up there when we talk about the the best ones in the league, right it's so, well
3: it's so they move so easily within each other, you know you don't when you compare it to Adelaide and how Adelaide staggers forward they just make it look so simple that's what Mm. stood out to me and that's how Adelaide was cut up in all these games.
1: Cody? Well considering they finished second you'd kind of naturally have to think that they're up there with the best in the league I mean they were there for a reason I believe they were the second best attacking side in the league after Melbourne City were they not?
3: Club record Monty mentioned as well in his Mm. podcast. I'm not not, by the way
1: I'm not saying
0: I'm not saying you know, I don't think they are anything. I'm just saying there doesn't seem to be much discourse around it. Like, no, you, and I agree yeah. with you
1: in that sense. And yeah. it's, it's weird that there isn't enough discourse in that sense because everything that they've done this season kind of suggests otherwise. The only thing that I can think of is there's probably not anyone that overly stands out on a consistent basis. Like say a good for Adelaide, like he's always the center of everything. Mm. Some days it's coming stepping up. Some days it's Silvera stepping up. Some days it can even be Tulio stepping up. Even Encololo, as much as he's up and down, when he's on, he's, he's bloody on. So it's probably because there's not always just kind of that figurehead, that focal point that's kind of grabbing the headlines, kind of that load's almost been shared around in a way. So maybe that's the reason why not enough attention's going on it, but you look at them as a collective and how well they've done this season, what they've been able to produce. It, it's easily one of the best attacking quartets, or just attacking whatever you want to call it in the league.
0: Now you're right, quartet. That's that's the right word.
1: Quartet, um, like but like not everyone plays with a quartet. Something. Oh yeah, 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 of yeah, That's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to get at.
0: Yeah, setups probably or setup. Yeah, look,
1: nature. my English but, isn't great.
0: Yeah, I know. That's why you need me. But um, the <laughs> le- if we if we Jake if we had a list of the top ten things you would not have spec expected to happen in that game would James McGarry scoring a scream on his right foot be number one?
2: No, actually, I rate James McGarry. I love him. He's very, very good. At no, I'm talking you know, about right. the
0: very action of him scoring on his right foot from distance.
2: No, 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 no. no. He's done this multiple times this season. Like, maybe not that nicely, but he, th- that is I like, do remember. Actually, actually, now him.
0: that you mention it, I do remember, I think he did score a goal on his right earlier in the season. I can't
1: remember exactly who it
0: was. It was think, against but-
2: Wellington, I believe. Right. You really dis- he actually.
1: You really dismissed McGarry very easily there, Christian. I think- Why am I getting accused of
0: dismissing everyone? the
3: fullback on this third a club very easily. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ, you know how much I'm pumping up the Mariners? You should have seen me. I was like, I was like, I was like in awe of their attacking stuff. I, I, I loved it. I was enjoying myself watching them far out. Right, don't, everyone don't, enjoys themselves watching a, them, so. Don't paint me not, as a
1: Mariners hater. I'm not painting out. you as a Mariners hater. I'm painting you as someone that just kind of dismissed McGarry in that moment.
0: No, I'm just, I'm just saying, when, how often does James McGarry score from 20 yards on his right foot? That's all
3: I'm saying. Well, it can happen.
1: Oh, okay. He's not a bad player. He's 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 scored he's scored goals from distance before. He's he's good going forward. I think this move to no, the Mariners yeah. has actually shown how good he can be as a footballer. Mm-hmm. Like he's I, I was, it was a move that I kind of looked at and went, okay, they're just trying to bring in a fullback. They're probably just looking. They probably wanted to get rid of Aquilina and they're happy to take another someone just as a replacement, probably just to sit behind Farrell. But he's come in and made that spot his own against probably the second best young fullback in the country and. That's only because Jordan Boz is just a freak ahead of him,
3: and then there is like so st- it's yeah, what yeah it's the kind of- have done so much. They've picked someone's rubbish up. Mm. You've got McGarry, the one at Wellington and Newcastle, and they take him and they make him into a very important cog for a side that's about to play off for a grand final spot. Theo Harris they have picked up; mm. it was looking great for them. They've done this so much. Caltech, this is his first professional season as a, as a footballer, you know. They they are picking up people that others don't rate and they're showing everyone, look, these guys can actually play football. And this collection of misfits, for lack of a better word, goes in our home now on Saturday, sold out crowd, I assume, ready to play for a spot in the grand final. And it's, you mm-hmm. know, you can't speak about highly enough.
0: Yeah, and then, um, even a guy like, like Storm Roo, like, he's just been quietly going about his business this season, right? As, as, as a starting right back, and he's, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. No one really kind of mentioned it. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's been doing really well, uh, for them too. Um, okay. Anything, yeah, anything anyone wants to add on, on this game before we just move on to a couple other things finals related that I just want to touch on?
2: I, I think a point I want to make is, um, something that maybe has been overlooked. Why? Central Coast have especially been sort of the kryptonite of Adelaide, and I think it is just a lack of pace in Adelaide's lineup, and I think it, you can also maybe point some fingers here at Carl Veer, who I think, at this game at least, he's gone for Warland Ansel, probably two of the slowest centre-backs, no offence to them, in the league, when you have Bar and Popovich, who are probably a bit younger, maybe a bit quicker, and then even someone like Harvey Lopez, who I absolutely rate, right, I think he's a fantastic right-back. However... Multiple times that game, he got absolutely torched by Silvera. Just has that nippiness to get by him. You know, we saw that with the one where he's put onto the crossbar and one where he's, um, I think it was Tulio slipped in behind and he cut it back for Cummings who should have scored. It's, and even Isaias, yes, like I could probably go through that sort of whole defensive line. There's just these older players who maybe aren't as quick and unable, you know, to catch Central Coast in the transition moments. So I think that's something obviously they don't have. A lot of younger set, you know, defenders in their team. You know, maybe you could go for Madonna, who did also get torched earlier this season against the Mariners. But, um, it's interesting to see because I think that's something he's really going to have to address if he has any chance of beating Mariners because they're going to be gone for the game. So they're going to be very, very, very exposed in defense. So I think. A good thing for Viet, not like he's going to listen to this podcast. you're like, I like that point, Jay Collin, <laughs> mate. Let's do that. But a good thing he could potentially think about is yeah, especially looking in those transition moments, because if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to go for it, and they're going to be counted over and over and over.
0: Just, yeah. just quickly, just quickly, Antonis Carl, if you're listening, just like let 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 us know if you got if you took the feedback on board, or if you want to like get me on
2: board, get me on board, Carl, <laughs> <Kyle>, please, five <laughs> or something.
0: Hi Jake, for your backroom stuff. Wait, what? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah,
3: um, to link to what um Jake just said, and another thing that really got my attention, and I think I saw Robbie Conwade write about this on Twitter as well. It feels like because those Adelaide players understand that that they can get caught out, sometimes they get over eager to commit, mm. and so many times you saw them go too early. You saw a couple of them go, and the Mariners just move around them because. They play, they showed their cards too early and the Mariners were just on the merry way counter attacking, which is what Adlai would love to do on the other side, which is not allowed to them. So they really need to pick their moments of when they do that because the Mariners love nothing more than sucking you in and then just leaving you in their dust. Well, the other
0: thing about this, you mentioned with like Popovich that we, I mentioned this already before where I didn't really understand, you know, why he's kind of been. Just totally kind of out of the Adelaide United lineup. Ben Warland's pace got totally exposed in in that game, right? Um, so I don't know if he brings him, if he makes a change there or, or what he's thinking. But it's also interesting here. Look, Carl Carl bleeds youngsters. He he really trusts young players and and this sort of thing. But I think when it when really push comes to shove, like Mon- Monty is the one who really backs maybe his younger players. Like Carl probably still has that kind of preference for, I'm gonna go with the more experienced guy, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna trust the guy who's been there and done that a bit more. But I think what Antonis was saying earlier as well is you've got away from home now, you're a goal down, you got nothing to lose, play, maybe just play a couple of kids in there who are gonna give it their all and just go for it. Um, and I think that could be Ivanovic, that could be maybe Popovich comes in, you know, if he, if he considers that. I don't, I don't see it because I think he probably thinks it's, you know, we'll just stick with the experience and we'll just make sure, you know, we can stay solid back there. Um, Yvonne, is probably more likely in terms of a youngster kind of coming in and, and, and starting, but, um, it's interesting. It's just interesting because look, both coaches deserve praise for playing young players, but I do think Monty, when it, when, when things push comes to shove, finals games, he's more likely to trust his young guys, um, than, than maybe what Carl is. I mean, he, he subbed on. A youngster to, you know, basically perform a role more of an experienced player, which is to kind of, you know, be a be a stopper or a tag, basically, you know, uh, an opposition player, which is which is really rare for a young player to be kind of burdened with that responsibility, and that's of course talking about Jacob Farrell. Um, so yeah, that that's that's really interesting as well. Any anything else, Antonis? Did you want to mention something? Or
3: yeah, uh, I agree with what you're saying. Is yeah, see, and I don't think those moves will be made because yeah. we know the track record. I do hope someone like Jovanovic does start and yeah. I do think he's the more likely one to start. But again, I could see Blackwood getting the nod there. I don't think Popovich will start. And I'd love Nesta to start, but I do think Halloran will get the nod being the senior player in this situation.
0: Okay. couple of, couple of like big questions I just want to pose to to, to you guys. So, First thing, okay. First thing, right now, if you had to, you know, put your money on it, which we don't, but put your money on it. Who's the favorite, do you think, to win it all right now uh, out of the four teams that are remaining? We, we'll so go. We'll so go through
3: still, it. You still got Melbourne City, like the, yeah. the benefit of the doubt until they're no longer in it. I guess you have to back them.
0: I'm just saying, no one was swayed by like the Mariners, the Mariners' um, performance.
2: I, I honestly, like, it might be unpopular, but the whole series. Of back Mariners, I uh, you know I I don't know I I, I just think they're going to cause an upset. I think they're like they've been underestimated for too long, and I think this is going to be their year. They're just going to go for it. It's been building for the past three seasons, and I think they can surprise Melbourne City. They've been a really really good match. Like by the way, they haven't actually beat Adelaide yet, so we should probably not forget that. They're likely going to. You'd expect it, but so I don't want to you know like you never know. But um, I think if it's going to be one team that can match Melbourne City and shock them, I think it is Central Coast. So. You know, maybe an outlandish sort of statement, but I'd love to see them. No,
0: that, that's right. Because that kind of leads me into my, well, Antonis, just, Once, just quickly. It, yeah. it
3: really suits them how it's not going to be in Melbourne because Mariners have historically been shocking yeah. in <laughs> Melbourne. So this even being, lost the victory really this year. Makes, it actually works very well for them.
0: Yeah. Well, so going off what Jake just mentioned there, here's, here's an interesting question for, for each of you who can answer this. Uh, Cause I saw when, when the, our half time, Everyone was kind of in awe of the Mariners on, on kind of Twitter yesterday and stuff. And I saw Vince Rigari kind of tweet and he was kind of like, this is, this is basically what every club should be doing. What's going on here? This, that and the other. So I post this. Does the league need the Mariners to win the championship? Because does it set, does it set an important precedent maybe for other clubs out there to follow?
3: No, no league needs anyone to win any championship. Number one, just the best team can win it. Number two, you have to be, again, you have to be blind, deaf and stupid as a football club in Australia, not to see what United and the Mariners are doing and think, you know what? They're, they're onto something here.
0: No, like, no, so that's the, if, no, no, I, I agree. But what you, I'm saying is. Yeah.
3: Uh, ju- I don't think yeah. because the Mariners win an extra game this season, have a nice picture lifting the trophy. Yeah. A wanderer side says, oh, guess what? We've got all these great facilities. Maybe we should use them because that centre back that played for them was on our books and we just ignored him. I don't think that will happen. Clubs actually need to look at themselves before they look at something else. I can look at what Barcelona is doing and say, wow, that's great. But again, clubs need to look at themselves, not other people, not other clubs. Just, just, clarifying. Take. It'll ju- take. just
0: clarifying. What I'm saying is with the, if the Mariners do this on a big stage in front of a massive national audience with all these young kids, I'm kind of saying, Antonis is right. People should already be woken up to it and kind of seeing what, 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 what clubs like the Mariners and Adelaide are doing. I'm saying if it's more broadcasted nationally and everyone's kind of seeing it and every club is watching it and then they see the success finally be rewarded with a championship, do they actually finally go, Oh my God, like, you know, think of like Melbourne victory as a classic example, which comes to mind. Should we actually change what we're doing here and actually trust our youngsters more? Because look at this club. They've actually just taken out the whole
1: thing by doing that. Cody, it'll take fundamental change for any club to really implement it. And look, Mariners in Adelaide, like you look at the years that Mariners went struggling and the, the absolute shit that that club has kind of gone through with, mm. what was it? Three wooden spoons, maybe four. Can't think off the top of my head, but they stuck to their principles. It's not a process that happens overnight and it's something that they're reaping the rewards of now. And it's just more of a question of how many clubs are willing to go through a down period to be able to implement something like that. And I don't think there would be many. A lot of clubs in Australia do kind of chase that short-term success. And it might be a monetary thing. They might go, okay, get yeah, we win. We get prize money. We need that to kind of sustain ourselves. But you should, whether the Mariners go and win the A-League or not, the fact that the only team that would most likely be stopping them now is a juggernaut Melbourne City side, they're essentially saying, okay, yeah, we're the best of the rest in this competition or other clubs should be looking at and going, okay, that's the second best team in this competition. And they're doing it by not signing big visa players or massive marquee names. They're doing it by having a genuine process of being able to churn out very, very good youngsters. And that's something that any club could do. So if Mariners can do it with the budgets that they're working on, which by all accounts doesn't seem to be quite large, what's stopping uh, Wanderers? What's stopping a Sydney FC? What's stopping a Melbourne Victor from doing that? The only thing that's stopping him is the ideals that that club holds that, okay, we need these flashy plays. We need the big-name signings. And until there is that fundamental change at the top of a football club, no one else is going to do it, whether Mariners win the league or not.
0: Yeah, but I think it also – I think it's slightly the other way. Okay, yeah, part of it is we want the big signing stuff like that, but I think part of it is fear out of playing youngsters too. And I think that's ridiculous is kind of what – you know, is, is what I'm saying, because as the Mariners are showing, you mentioned, I think it was Jake mentioned it just before, like, this is kind of a three year thing that the Mariners have gone through, right? It's actually not just this season. And those, there's plenty of players there who've had to learn mistakes and get better and get better. Nisbet is just constantly been going on an upward trajectory. I love that guy. Absolutely brilliant, right? Um, and it's just, yeah. And I, I think that's what it's more down to. I think it more comes down to, a fear of playing young players and trusting them in big occasions.
3: Christian, it's exactly, it's fear is what it is, and it's fear of the unknown, of what, what they're going to do. But the whole concept of Adelaide and Central Coast is, it's yeah. not the unknown for them, because both Monty and Viet have been involved with this youth setup yeah. of their region for so long. So as long as you've got people there who know what they're on about, they know what they're doing, you should not be fearful, because you should be well aware that those are known quantities. Yeah. And then going back to Cody's point about clubs wanting the prize money, I doubt it's anything ridiculous, number one. And Mariners will once again get a few nice fees at the end of the season with players moving overseas. And that's the money that should be sustaining you at the end of the day. And when you do that, you invest in your next generation and you know once again who's coming through. For example, if when Nesta was to go, I already know who the next in line would be because you can see them being molded in the system. You know, that's the whole concept of it. And like Kylie said, it's a fundamental thing. It's the people that should be doing this already are aware of the Mariners. It just doesn't exist too often, and in Australia, it should be the the rule, not the exception.
0: It's a nice juxtaposition to kind of finish the podcast where we where we start talking about Sydney FC and Melbourne City, probably two of the richest teams in in the league. Um, and then end by talking about probably two of the less resourced clubs and uh, getting
1: into a nice little debate
0: around youth development. I mean, what else is, what else is new for an Australian football podcast, right?
1: It's, it's, it's a question <laughs> that's going to keep being churned until it's, there's something set in stone that every club's able to do. And look, I understand your point. People should be taking notes of the Mariners, whether they are or not. I don't know. Would them winning the grand final maybe put their process into a better light? Maybe. Mm. The league shouldn't need it. it, but the thing is, the point is, other clubs are aware of it. Other clubs could do it if they really wanted to. Antonis mentioned the facilities the Wanderers have. It's it's a great little setup, that, little setup. It's a great setup that they've got there in general. They could very well do it, and you look at some of the players that have gone through the Mariners, some of them have genuinely gone through that system at the Wanderers. It's, uh, it's not just about having the facilities there to make great players. It's also about having... The kind of that bravery to then say, okay, you're going to come in the first team, we're going to let you make those mistakes, and eventually you're going to be the best player in the league in your position, like what Nisbet is now, like what Triantis probably could be in the next couple of seasons, if not already. Mm-hmm. There, there's potential there that any club could do it. You look at Melbourne Victory, you got that Will Wilson um, young bloke that came through for a little bit this season and then disappeared. Every club has the potential to do it it's going to take a change at the top and a change in the ideals of clubs for it to be the norm in Australia, unfortunately.
3: And I'm going to kick the ball very well down the line, but this is why something like promotion relegation is so important because we talk about the Mariners, how great they are, but we forget about how down the dumps they've been for so long. If there is that real threat of your existence, that's when you act. That's when you say, my fear of the young players is a lot less than my fear of going down. Mm. And that's when you actually start acting and looking that way because you're not protected. Melbourne victory is not invincible to having a crap season and going to a semi final and having another crap season. You need to make sure you're sustainable and you need that pressure below you. And it's, it's going to take time and I just hope it happens. I just really, really hope this happens.
1: And it'll be interesting to see if some of those clubs that do go into the second division have those processes where it's like, okay, we need to find a way to be sustainable. We're going to do that by churning out some of the best young players in this country. We always talk about how before the um, A-League clubs kind of had their academy set all the players are coming from the NPL. I understand there was kind of that gap in world-class footballers that Australia is able to produce, but if these clubs already have facilities there and processes to go, hey, we can we can churn out some very, very good footballers and then turn a fee over for them. If those, if those clubs that are going to come in the second division can do that, they're going to pose a massive threat to the ready-made A-League clubs that are sitting there kind of resting on their laurels going, yep, we're going to focus on senior players. These clubs are going to start making bank off young players. They're going to end up in positions where, okay, we're going to be able to then buy a few good players to compete at an A-League level around them. And we're going to compete with the best in the country. And it's going to leave a lot of clubs in the A-League with egg on their face if that happens.
0: Yeah. No, good, good points, guys. I'm going to have to wrap this up before we keep going down this uh, massive rabbit hole and this huge tangent. Um, so yeah, but, uh, no, seriously, I think, I think we're all kind of in agreement around, um, around like this the Mariners and the Adelaide and, and and we we've we've talked about this kind of throughout the season quite a bit. Um and uh and Jonas, you've actually even done a couple of articles on this um previously uh that you can go check out on the site as well. In saying that, make sure you check us out on social media. We're on um Instagram, uh Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn tiktok um and yeah you can if you're catching us here on spotify for this podcast we're also on apple Podcasts and a few other podcast platforms so um yeah uh we're we're not just on spotify just so everyone knows as well and frontpagefootball.net of course um is the is the website yeah so we've actually we've actually had quite a few stories um go up of late one being funnily enough kind of related to what we're talking about here uh one of our writers uh caden foley did a nice piece on melbourne victory um and and what they can kind of look to do next season and he kind of mentions in there quite a bit around you know utilizing young players so um yeah it's uh,
3: I yeah i just want to, uh, want to make a point very very, very topical yeah um when I spoke to Mike, Mike and Leala for the captain of Solomon Islands, and so many of these clubs and young fans would die for opportunities like this. Mm. And it just makes me so sad that our own country, we, we have these resources, we won't give our own those opportunities. So, yeah, have a look at that. And There you go.
0: So Antonis just did his plugging.
1: Any, any of you two want to do uh, plugging or add anything uh, that that,
0: that uh, might
1: be important to mention? Um, Maybe not quite yet, but I'm sure I'll be having a few articles over the next few weeks that will be very interesting to have a look at.
0: Oh and Cody um we should mention as well just really quickly guys a uh, soccer Asian Cup draw. Um we we didn't dedicate massive time to it but India, Syria, Uzbekistan's the group. Um Cody I'll ask you first thoughts.
1: Um I'd go as far as to say it's probably a group of death in this tournament. Obviously with the way the pots are set up you don't get like a clear-cut group yep. of death. There's always going to be that one weak side in this case it's India but look India they've invested a lot in football recently. They could be a surprise package. Syria, I'm kind of sick of playing Syria. I don't like it. They annoy me, and I'm not looking forward to that game. And Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan I reckon the same. Yeah, it, we played them more at youth level, I guess. Like if you look at just simply the last couple of years, can we get revenge for the under-20 World Cup? I would certainly like that. But <laughs> um look, they're definitely going to be a very good side, and no matter who comes first or second in this group, I think Uzbekistan have the potential to actually go quite deep in this tournament. Antonis looks like he's dying to say something I don't know it's,
0: it's-
3: no, I was, I was that We should demand an investigation On coming up in Syria See so that's the thing, we can beat them and then they just gotta pull that shit out again It annoys me <laughs> yeah, but that, That's part of it, you love it's, it. it It's a bit of fun uh, but you know, it, gets, it gets old I think the way this Bracket looks I reckon if all the results go your way I reckon you'd probably rather finish second In our group Honestly yeah, I don't want to play Saudi
1: Arabia in the quarters We'll see
3: hmm. how it goes but yeah, I hope our campaign goes a lot better than the Christian's attempt to wrap up this podcast. <laughs>
0: hey, this is what? What the hell? I want. I wanted like to do a couple of minutes on the soccer Asian God, Jesus Christ! You get in the hosting chair, buddy. Far out, um, <laughs> Jake. Um, this will be the last little bit. Your thoughts on the on the uh, on the draw, and then and I will officially wrap up the podcast. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
2: Luckily for you, I don't have too much stride. I think these boys covered it very well. Yeah. I think we, we, we have a, it, it, it's, 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 I don't know if I'd say as far as a group of death, but it is a good group. No doubt. Um, you know, obviously India, like Cody said, been investing Uzbekistan. I know they have that one guy, Eldor Shomarov. I, I, I don't know his name. He plays a Roma. He's a Eldor baller. Shumirov? Yes, I hope yes, I'll that, guy, that correctly. guy. Absolute baller. I rate him. So they've got some good players and they're developing and Syria, obviously. We demand investigation. We've had, you know, a lot of interactions with them in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how we go. But I think it's important. Obviously, maybe it'd be a bit better to finish second. But we need to go for this, you know. We need to go for this. We need to think about winning every single game. And, yeah, go, go, you bloody soccers, I guess, yeah.
0: Passionate. Passionate plea.
1: Anyway, uh, Cody. Positivity.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: boy. Cody, you had, you had something to say? Oh, Eldor Shomorodov. I got that pronunciation incorrect. Okay. Okay. There we go. All
0: right. Cody, Jake, thanks for, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Antonis, um, never, never publicly have a go at my, um, my hosting again. <laughs> uh, but, uh, nah, seriously, guys, good, good stuff. Good stuff. I think we, I think it was a good comprehensive wrap of, uh, of the semifinals there. Make sure, uh, if you listen to the podcast, you check out, uh, the, uh, the second legs next week because it's going to be interesting. Both ties still very much, uh, in play either way, uh, for, for all four teams to, to try and make the, uh, grand final um so yeah it's going to be it's going to be very very uh interesting to see how it plays out okay uh, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the front page football podcast until next time it's bye for now